Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Exodus, Exodus and chapter number 23 this evening, the book of Exodus chapter 23. Hopefully you have your Bible with you. If you don't, there should be one perhaps in the back of the seat in front of you, maybe in the back of the seat behind you. And we would encourage you to pick up that copy of God's word and follow along with us. The book of Exodus is the second book in the Bible. So across the top of the page, don't go very far from the beginning and you'll find Exodus and then look for a big number. 23, that's what we call a chapter, and then verse number 10, that's the small number. So Exodus chapter 23, verse number 10, and if you found your place and if you're willing and able, let's stand out of respect for the reading of God's word. Exodus chapter 10, verse 23, or chapter 23 rather, verse number 10. Exodus chapter 23, verse number 10. We are walking our way through the book of Exodus and uh, we come now to this section where the Lord is reiterating the Ten Commandments. How, how many of you are familiar with the Ten Commandments? Let me see. You're familiar with them? You, you, you've at least heard of the Ten Commandments before? Perhaps you could name a few of them. How many of you, that, that's you? Let's see. And the Lord is in this passage, he's reiterating those. He's coming back and he's teaching us and he's, and he's explaining. He, he's by principle laid them down in Exodus chapter 20, the very beginning of that chapter. He's by principle laid them down for us. And now, now he's, he's explaining what that means. But he's not just explaining what it means. Man, he's also giving us illustration of how we are to enact that in our lives. And in fact, that's what you're going to see in particular this evening, what the Lord says to do. Man, by way of remembering the Sabbath, honoring the Lord one day a week, but also he institutionalizes it. But then he also does it for, man, uh, one year out of seven, one year out of seven, six, one day out of seven days, one year out of seven years, you should remember this. What's he doing? He's applying He's applying, man, that seventh commandment. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Remember that your trust is in the Lord. Your trust is not in this earth. Remember that your confidence in God is in God providing for you, not in you and me providing for ourselves. That's what he's doing. And he also does this by, by way of uh, uh, idolatry. And he helps us to understand how we are to remove all those idols. Remember, the first, the second commandment, man, no other gods before you, no graven images, no false uh, gods, no statutes, no bowing down to worship them. That's the principle. And now, now he's applying that principle. He's showing Israel how to carry out what he's told them to do. So look at verse number 10. Verse number 10. And six years... Thou shalt sow thy land and shalt gather in the fruits thereof. But the seventh year, thou shalt let it rest and lie still, that the poor of thy people may eat, and what they leave, the beasts of the field shall eat. And in like manner, thou shalt deal with thy vineyard and with thy olive vineyard. 
Okay, so, so here's what he said. Remember, go out, work hard. Man, put your hand to the plow, do the work. Do this for six years, but on that seventh year, don't go out in that field. Don't plow it. Just leave it. Whatever grows up, allow the stranger, allow the poor, allow the needy, allow them to come through and use that as a reminder. Use that as a reminder of how God provided for you when you were a stranger, when you were poor, when you were without a land, how that the Lord rained manna down from heaven for you. Because you didn't own land then, and yet the Lord provided for you. You see how that works? So it's a, it's a commandment given in the 10. And now it's a, it's a reiteration of. It's the Lord repeating. It's the Lord repeating. It's the Lord repeating. It's the Lord repeating what he has told the children of Israel to do. Man, how many times, man, how many times do we have to be told something until we get it? How many times do we have to be told something until we really understand it? How many times do we have to be told over and over and over? Well, if you're a parent in the room, you're saying, well, my children have to be told thousands of times to pick up their Legos, right? To make their bed over and over, repetition, repetition, repetition. Hey, listen, the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. And just like your children have to be told over and over and over, man, in our relationship with God, man, he tells us over and over and over and over again. And just like, just like we have to do with our children, look, God has to do with us. Just like we have to do with our children, God has to do with us. Here's the title, three words, ready? Here's the title, repetition, repetition, repetition. You say, well, that's a, that's a very repetitive title. Yeah, yeah, this is the Lord reiterating. This is the Lord repeating for you and for me and how, how it is that he wants us to live. Our Heavenly Father, use your word in our hearts and lives. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together, amen. Someone once asked George Whitfield why he so often preached on the theme, ye must be born again. He said, Mr. Whitfield, why do you, why do you often, why do you so often preach on the theme, ye must be born again, to which Mr. Whitfield replied, because ye must be born again. Ye must be born again. Sometimes the truth is so crucial. Sometimes the truth is so important. Sometimes a
said unto you, be circumspect. Man, of all things that I have said unto you, be circumspect. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to, ask you to do some difficult, it's five o'clock service, Sunday night, long day, long week. A lot of stuff to do next week. Listen, let's, let's think for a second. In, in all that I've said to you, be circumspect. What, what, what does that mean? In, in everything I've told you, man, be careful, be circumspect, be thoughtful, look around, be aware, see to it, guard these things. In everything that I've said to you, in all things that I've said to you, be circumspect, pay attention to it, be on guard about it, and make no mention of the name of other gods, neither let it be heard out of thy mouth. I, I could summarize verse number 13 in two ways. He, he says this, guard my laws and forget other gods. Here's what he says. Here's, here's the truth. He's driving in. It's the nail that he's driving into our hearts and lives. It's two ways. He says, he says guard my laws and forget other gods. So he's, he's giving us an application, a way to make an application, a way to apply the law, the commandment, the word that he's already given to us. He's already given us the law. He's already given us the commandment. He's already given us the word. And now he's making a way for you and for me to, to, to apply that. He, he's taking the hammer and here's the nail. And he's driving it down into our hearts. And he's repeating, repeating, repeating. He's reiterating the idea that he is concerned about his people's obedience. In fact, as we work our way through chapter 23, what you're going to find is you're going to find this language is very, is very similar to the language that he's already used. Go back one page. Go to Exodus chapter number 20. Exodus chapter 20, you'll find the list of the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, you'll find the Ten Commandments listed out. You'll find the Lord saying, hey, no other gods and no, no graven images, verse 4, and no bowing down to idols. I mean, you'll find the Lord saying, verse number nine, six days labor, do all your work, but the seventh day, that's the Sabbath unto the Lord your God. He's, he's laid down the principle. Now look at verse number 20. Exodus chapter 20, look at, look at verse number 22 rather. And the Lord said unto Moses, thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. Look at verse 23. Ye shall not make with me gods of silver, nor neither shall ye make gods of gold, an altar of the... What's he doing? He's reiterating the idea. Now he comes chapter 23. What's he doing again? There are no gods, no gods of silver, no, no gods of gold, no, no bowing down to statues, no, no graven images, no false gods. And he's taking this truth and he's, he's repeating, he's driving it down into our hearts. He goes right back to the very first commandment. He isn't one or two verses removed from the Ten Commandments. He goes right back to the first one. Man, now he's several chapters removed from the Ten Commandments. And what does he do? He goes right back to the very first commandment. Guard my laws and forget other Gods. 
guard my laws and forget other gods. You would think, you would think this is something that the children of Israel, you would think this is something that the children of Israel will readily, easily, man, apply, follow, and obey in. And yet, how many of you are familiar enough with the Bible to know the children of Israel, they repeat this cycle over and over and over and over again. In fact, if you want a case study of disobedience, read the Old Testament, right? If you want a case study of how the children of Israel did not listen, they did not obey, man, it was repetition, 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 reiteration of obedience to God. And yet the children of Israel turned back from that. They did not listen to that. They ignored God on those things. Man, they went after other gods. You get to the New Testament, here's how it sounds. Jesus says this is the greatest commandment. Man, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Man, this this very important first commandment, he reiterates to Moses. He reiterates to the children of Israel. He tells them again, and he tells them again, and he tells them again. He, He repeats it. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Man, you get to the New Testament, what does Jesus do? And he repeats it. He, he says it again and again. Hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the greatest commandment. And in fact, on these things hang, loving God, loving others, on these things hang all of the law and the prophets. Man, Jesus reiterates it. Moses reiterates it. The Lord reiterates it. God's word reiterates it. The reiteration of God's concern for his people's obedience. Hear me, friend. God wants us to heed his word. God wants us to obey his word. God wants us to pay close attention, walk circumspect when it comes to the things that I have told you. Pay pay close attention to the way that you're walking when it comes to the things that I have told you in in my word. Why? Why would the Lord tell us to pay close attention, be circumspect when it comes to God's word? Here's why. Because none of us naturally drift toward godliness, holiness, or spirituality. Man, instead, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. There's a way that seemeth right unto man. The end thereof is the way of death. We're more often like the end of the book of Judges, where every man is doing what is right in his own eyes. No one's going headlong, headstrong after the Lord. Everyone's just living for themselves, calling their own shots, doing what they please. Why pay close attention to God's word? Because we do not naturally bend. We do not naturally direct ourselves toward the Lord. So we must, we must walk circumspectly, not as fools, the New Testament author says. Here he says, here, be, be circumspect. Pay close attention to the words that I am giving you. Man, it's a reiteration of God's concern for his people's obedience. You say, Pastor, I I do love the Lord and I want to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, listen to how Jesus said it. Jesus said, well, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus says, if if you truly are 
in love with me. If you truly are loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength, guess what you will be doing? Man, you will be taking God's word. You will be obeying it. You will be memorizing it. You will delight yourself in it. Think Psalms chapter one, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his, that blessed man, his delight is where? It is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, the law of God's word, in the law of the Lord, that is where he meditates every now and then. No, that's not what it says. No, that's where he meditates in day and night. How does the blessed man how does, the, how does the man become blessed? How does he become happy? How does he walk in that righteous way? He's meditating in God's word. He's obeying God's word. He's showing his love for God by being obedient to the word of God. If you love me, keep my commandments. Oh, obey the things I've asked you to do in these areas. Walk circumspect, guard yourself and make sure that you aren't easily being pulled astray. Man, it's a reiteration. It's a reiteration of God's concern for his people's obedience. Number two, number two, it's a rejection. It's a rejection of false gods and false worship. All right, so here's what we said. It's a reiteration of God's concern for his people's obedience. We need to obey the Lord and all that God said in his word. But number two, how do we do that? Do that. Well, we remind ourselves, we walk in it, we, we delight ourselves in God's word. But number two, man, we reject. We reject false gods and false worship. Look at verse number 13. Look at verse number 13. And in all things that I have said unto you, be circumspect. Pay, pay, pay attention to the way you're walking because you don't naturally walk after me. You, you naturally go your own way. You don't tend toward godliness and holiness. You, you, you tend towards your own view of doing things. So see to it that you're obeying my word. Do life according to my word. And make no mention of the name of other gods. Neither let it be heard out of thy mouth. What an, what an interesting verse. Make no mention, make no mention of other gods, neither let it be heard out of thy mouth. Obedience, hear me, obedience to the first commandment requires a rejection of false gods. Obedience to the first commandment, love the Lord your God, serve the Lord your God, only go after the Lord your God. And obedience to the first commandment requires a rejection of all the other false gods. Well, you, well that, that sounds very narrow-minded. That, that does not sound very tolerant. Hey, but watch this, watch this. If I say, and I have said, man, I, I love, I love Amanda. I love Amanda above every other. I love him. She's my one and only. I pledge my love to Amanda. And, and, and imagine I, I got on my knee. Man, I, I took Amanda out on a date. I pulled out the ring out of my pocket. I, I opened up the ring. It glistened. Angel sang. I took the ring, slid it on Amanda's finger. And I, I wrote Amanda a song that I sang her on the day that I proposed to her. How many of you would like to hear that song? 
You can keep wishing. You're never going to hear that song. I, I, I slid I slid the ring on her finger. I, I wrote her this sound. Let's just say Justin Bieber, he wants my song. I mean, it's very popular, okay? So I, I slid the ring on her finger. Man, I, I sang her the song that I wrote her. And I said, Amanda, I, I'm pledging, committing myself to you. Amanda Marie, would you please marry me? I'm giving all myself to you on Monday through Friday, but I need Saturdays and Sunday to myself because I got a couple other girls that I'm interested in. How many of you know months later when I wake up in the hospital from the coma? There'd be a note there, Dave, goodbye, good riddance, stay out of my life, right? Why? Because a pledge of my love for her, a, a commitment of my love to her, a, a giving of myself to her requires, requires what? It requires rejection of every other woman, keeping myself only for you so long as we both shall live. Do you so promise? I promise. I do. Right? And when it comes to wedding vows, nobody goes, oh my goodness, that's so narrow-minded. <laughs> just so intolerant. I don't know why we just don't let everybody just love everybody whenever they want to. It's just so narrow-minded to say you're only going to love one person. He said, nobody says that when it comes to marriage. We all go, yeah, that's what you're supposed to say. When you, <laughs> you get married, that's what you're saying. Oh, but when it comes to our relationship with God, man, God says, uh, love for me requires rejection of everyone else. Love for me requires rejection of everyone else. L listen, listen to how he says it again. Make no mention of the name of other gods. Don't, don't, don't even bring... Their name, look, I, I'm so, I wasn't on my knee, romantic evening, ring on the finger, going, yeah, it was either, it's either you or that other girlfriend. If you say no, can I please add my ring back, because I'd like to give it to, no, no, make no mention of other names, make no mention of other, don't even let the name be on your mouth. It's a complete, look, it's a complete rejection. It's a complete rejection of any other false gods. A loyalty to the one true God, obedience to God's word requires refusing to bow the knee to any other false god, to, to take the name of any other false god, to say the name of any other false god. Okay, so... I want you to think everything Old Testament history right now. I want you to think everything Old Testament history. Think of all the ways this played out in the lives of the children of Israel. And you'll come to one story in particular. Some of you are probably already there. Man, we're not going to bow the knee to any other God. We will not serve any other God. Are you there in your mind? The book of Daniel, they build the statue. When the trumpet plays, bow the knee to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. Everyone bows. Everyone must bow. The trumpet plays. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, don't bow. They're not, they're, not, they're not bowing the knee to any other God. Why? Because serving the one true God of the Bible requires rejection of every other false God in the world. Look, look how this goes. Man, see to it, 
that in all things that I have said to you that you, that you be circumspect, and that guard what my word says, and reject, make no mention of the name of other gods, and neither let it be heard out of thy, out of thy mouth. Hey, well, watch this. You can just keep going through this, through this text. You'll see this repeat itself over and over. Look at verse number, look at verse number 24. Look at verse number 24. And thou shalt not bow down to their gods. Who, who is their gods? It's the gods of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Insert joke. The termites. Right, you got it. That's as good of a joke as a pastor ever gets at that point. Don't, don't bow down to their gods. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, neither or, or nor serve them, nor do after their works. But thou, so don't do that, but do this. But thou shalt utterly destroy them, quite break down their images, and ye shall serve the Lord your God. What is serving the Lord your God? It's rejecting, pulling down, cutting down, tearing down all of the false gods of all of these other people groups. Ye shall serve the Lord your God and he shall bless thy bread and thy water and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. And we'll talk through some of, the, some of this a little bit uh, more next week. But as he says, drive them out from you. They don't have, don't have any space, any room in your life for these things. Okay, so, so just a word of, of clarity for here. God is not saying break into people's homes, loot them, and tear out their false idols. That's not what he's saying. But you have to remember the children of Israel are going into Canaan land. This inheritance that God has prepared for them where other uh, people groups are living and they're going to drive them out. They're going to take back the land from those Canaanite groups who live there. And so when you go in and do war with those that are living in the land that I have for you as you're doing war and winning and as I'm conquering and as we're advancing and as you're trusting, here's what he's saying, do not, do not live leave the pillars, the statues, the idols, all these false gods that are erected to all of their own gods. Do not leave them there. It's an interesting commandment. It's interesting instruction. So as they took over this new land, this is what the temptation would become. The temptation would become, well, it's already here. Well, somebody took a lot of time to put this statue together. Well, it's made of gold and I wonder how much we could get for it. Well, can't we just repurpose it and then use it for our God? You see how easy the temptation comes? I mean, what, what? What harm can there really be in leaving these statues and idols to these false gods and goddesses all over the Canaanite land? Why do we have to throw them out? Can't we just, can't we just keep them and hang on to them for a little while? 
Idolatry was so pervasive. It, it was so tempting. It, it was so prominent for all these people groups. L- listen, you think, you think uh, Jonah, the story of Jonah, they're running the, the storm on the Mediterranean. It's, it's throwing the ship every which way. The mariners on the boat, they start praying to all these false gods. It's quite literally a, a, an understanding of polytheism. They're praying to any god who can possibly hear them. And this was the idea, just, just keep all the gods because you never know which one you might need at any given moment. And there's a god for the weather and there's a God for victory over, the, over battles and there's a God for crops and there's a God for the herds and there's a God for the river and there's a God for the sky and there's a God for the moon and there's a God for... And you never know which one of these gods. And basically, you can pray to any one of them over their particular department and all of these gods can make all of these things happen. But here's, here's what the gods can't do. The gods can't feed themselves. And so what they had to do is, in order to get one of these other gods to get the sun to come up to bless your crops or to get the river to flow to bless your crops or to give you victory in battle, that God can give you victory in battle, but he can't feed himself. So the way you get that God to be on your team is you take him food and you feed him and then he will fight for you. This is so pervasive in their day. And this is what God's delivered them out of Egypt from. This is the way God flexes his muscles on all of the plagues that roll out. This is what they're walking to. And God is saying, listen, reiteration, reiteration, repeat, repeat, repeat. Reject all these other false gods because they're no God at all. Any God who is dependent on you to feed him is not a God that's a baby. And yet, it was so ordinary, it was so pervasive, watch her, it was so normal that the children of Israel, when they go into the promised land, do this very same thing. This is the attraction of idolatry. The attraction of idolatry is that it looks normal, it looks Ordinary. It looks pervasive. This is, this is what everybody does. Watch, if idolatry was weird and goofy, they wouldn't participate in it. That's the attraction. That's the allure of idolatry. The reason they participate in it is because this is what everybody does. You remember, watch, watch. You remember what the children of Israel, when they go to God, they say, God, give us a king. And God says, why? Why do you want a king? And what's their answer? Do you remember what their answer was? Their answer was not because we want good and holy men to lead us. No, no. Why do you want a king, Israel? We want a king because we want to be like everybody else who has kings. Remember that? And this, this is the same idea. This is the same thing. He's saying, reject false gods, reject false gods, reject false gods. Because the, the, the temptation is that it's so pervasive, it's so normal, it's so ordinary that everyone else at your office does it. And everyone else in the neighborhood does it. Every other people group does. It's so pervasive and ordinary. It just looks normal. That if you don't do that, you are the one that looks weird. And yet I've chosen for you, I've chosen for me a peculiar people. I've made you a very unique nation. 
I've set a blessing on you that I'm moving in you, working with you, that you are to me a unique possession and treasure. And I want to be to you a treasure. You do not need those things to understand me. All you need is me. And the children of Israel go, yeah, but my friends, they have some really cool gods and it's some nice ornaments. And I don't really see what's so bad about it anyway. And it, and it can't be that I mean, it can't be that harmful. Everybody else has when they're all, they all seem fine. Mm. Idolatry, false idol worship. Why that may seem weird to us, 2019. And there are all kinds of other ways where we don't go after the Lord our God. We don't serve the Lord our God. We don't love the Lord our God the way that we should. Man, the normal ways of doing business, the normal ways of climbing the ladder, the normal ways of, of choosing methods or modes of entertainment, uh, the, the normal way that, that the intellectual world works, the normal way that the educational world is supposed to operate, the normal way that the academy, uh, 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 the, the, the academy goes, the normal way that you're supposed to do business, the normal way you're supposed to interact with the people at the office, the normal way, listen, God is saying, no, no, there's a complete rejection of the normal way. I want you to do things my way. Yeah, but if, but if I tell my boss that I can't work on the Lord's day, then I can't get the promotion. I can't climb the ladder. I can't. Hmm. Interesting. How normal and pervasive and ordinary it becomes, right? Yeah, 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 but, 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 if I, but if I don't stand up for myself, well, then who will stand up for me? See how ordinary and pervasive. Yeah, but, but they said stuff about me, so why can't I say stuff about them? You see how, see how normal and ordinary and pervasive it, Are you with me? You see how normal and ordinary and pervasive it comes? This is, this is the allure. It looks as if it's normal. Look, look all the way down at the end. Look all the way down. Look, look all the way down at the end. Look at verse number thirty-two. Man, thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. He said it again. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their gods. Well, it shall surely be a snare unto thee. I mean, the, the snare there, the context of that word is that it's, it's normally a trap that you used for a small animal. You're trying to trap, you know, a, a little mole, a groundhog, woodchucks or whatever, rats. You're trying to trap some so it's a snare. We're very familiar with that here in the buildings of First Baptist Church. We have this bucket that they occasionally put downstairs. It has two sticks that run off of either end out that direction. And then they, they, drill, they drill a hole and they have this like PVC pipe that spins going through the bucket. And then they line the middle of that PVC pipe with, with, um, uh, with peanut butter. And so this becomes like this little highway for mice to like run up 
crawl out onto this little PVC pipe, try to lick the peanut butter, and then it spins like this, and they go tumbling down to the bottom of the bucket. And the only, the only bad thing about this is when you come to the bucket, you have to then like get rid of the mice because they're all on the bottom of the bucket and they're scratching and they're looking up at you. And it's kind of tragic. I never, I never forget, I'm standing downstairs. It's, uh, it's the first time that we did life classes. And I'm like, man, this, how did I, the bucket, the mice, you know, it just seems like it's maybe too much. I'm, I'm preaching. And then out from the side door of the kitchen, I see this. It kind of took me a second. I thought maybe it's just somebody was wrestling. I wasn't paying attention. Man, then the next one, it runs over again. I said, what was that? I look over again, and there are two mice over in the corner playing. They're running back and forth. And no, no one can see. It's, it's behind all the people. No one can see them. I, I'm the only one that can see them. And as I'm talking, I'm at the same time thinking, if that or those mice, if they come this way, what am I going to do? Like, what's my strategy? And I thought of this. I thought, this would be my strategy. If those mice, now, now the whole time I'm like cults, religions, false gods, but in my mind I'm thinking, if those mice come this way, this is my strategy. Ah! Mice, run! Right? So I share that story with someone, they go, oh yeah, that happened one time where one of the pastors was preaching and a mice came onto, or a mouse came, a mice, a, a mouse came onto the platform while they were preaching. Listen, if that happens, there's a resignation letter in my desk. You don't even, you can just accept it as is. I'm, this is, we're gone. The service is over. No more. Adios. Even these little snares, these little traps. You know, when you set traps for mice, you know what you do not put on the PVC pipe? Green beans. You've never seen a mouse trap set with green beans. Why? Because even mice know you shouldn't eat green beans. Children, are you with me? All the children right now, are you with me on that point? Okay, I'm, I'm helping you out. You, you never see a mouse trap with green beans. Why? Because it's, it's not alluring, it's not, it's not tempting, nobody wants to eat that. No, no, what do you put on? I mean, you put on there something that's alluring, something that's enticing, something that looks ordinary and normal and delicious, right? The same, the same way, they will be a snare to you. Look here. It'll be a snare to you. It'll look like that's the way it's supposed to be. This is how you find happiness. This is the only way you can be. It, it looks like this is the ordinary way to go. But listen, that's a snare. It's a trap. I mean, a reiteration, a reiteration for God about his people's obedience, a rejection of false gods. Last one, we got to be done. A rhythm, a, a rhythm to the worship of our God. So that, that's what he does in verse 10, 11, 12. And then go verse 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. What he's instituting is he's instituting a rhythm of worship. So here's what he's saying. 
You got to have these feasts. You got to have the, the feast of the ingathering, the feast of the harvest. You got to set seasons and times to remember me. Don't work on the seventh day. Trust me to provide for you on the seventh day. Don't, don't work in the field on the seventh year. Trust me to provide for you on the, on the year of the seventh, uh, in, for, the, for, for your resources on the seventh year. He, he's, he's building into their structure this, this rhythm of worship. So all the feasts, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of the Booths, the Feast of the Harvest, right? Think, think nomadic cultures. They need to go out, do agricultural work in order to gain some sort of profit or food or grain, in order to take that to the market, in order to make trades, in order to provide for themselves. And watch, watch, here's what he's saying. Now on, the, on these seasons, I don't, I don't want you on these seasons, on these days, on those years, I don't want you to go out into the field and work. What I want you to do is I want you to trust me on those days. And why this falls on our ears as deafness is, here's why. Because we don't live in nomadic agricultural societies. You, chances are you didn't lose any of your profit because you went to church today. It, 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 there was no, no grain missed out on, no harvest missed out on, no, no, no reaping missed out on because you were here. It's just not the way our culture works. But their culture did. So, so look what he's doing. He's putting this heavy responsibility on them for them to trust that he will take care of their everyday needs. And he's building it into their rhythm of worship. And he's saying, don't go work on the seventh day. No, nomadic agricultural societies work on seven days. You only have a certain amount of harvest days. We've got to get the grain in. And if we don't get the grain in, then we lose it. And God's saying, no, no, no. What you're going to do is you're going to trust me. You're going to trust me in that. You see why that, you see why this, when it falls, it, it loses its power for us? It's difficult for us to wrap our minds around what that must mean. God is asking them to trust him in all their living. He, 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 listen, he's not just concerned with how they're worshiping. That's important too. He's also concerned in how they're living, how they're walking, what they're doing. And he goes all the way back to the very beginning. And he's reiterating, repeating, 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 repeating. God weaves himself into their calendar. Why? Because he and he alone will be their God. Here's the application. What you do with your schedule shows your priority. What you do with your schedule shows your priority. It shows what you feel like matters to you. It shows where you say, this is very important to me. So, so what he's, what's he building into their schedule? He's building into their schedule a priority. What's the priority? That they should trust him. That they should trust him. This is also true for you. This is also true for me. 
We don't worship God on the seventh day. We worship God on the first day. Why do we worship God on the first day? Because it shows the priority that what we know to be true as New Testament believers, that Christ rose from the grave on the first day of the week. So we don't gather and worship on the seventh. We gather and we worship on the first as a way of showing by our gathering and worshiping of what our God did on the first day of the week. That's why we go to church on Sunday. It used to be a time in our country when Sunday was referred to as, some of you old timers, you'll remember this, when Sunday was referred to as the Lord's Day. How many of you you are old enough to remember when Sunday was called that day? It's the Lord's Day. But why? Why do we say that? Why do we say Sunday is the Lord's Day? It's taken right out of this. It's, it's, it's removed from this kind. On this day, you give it to me. Sunday, nap day. Football. Fun. No work. No, no, he's saying that, that's pervasive. That's normal. That's ordinary. That's how everybody else sees it. But not you. Not you. No, no, you see that as a day of worshiping me. You use that to set a priority for me. This is what it ought to be in your life, and this is what it ought to be in my life. And we've said this over and over. We want to make the Lord a priority of our lives. How to do that? Man, we give God the first day of the week. Sunday is God's day. Listen, Sunday is is God's day. Really interesting application. I'm out of time, but really interesting application in verse number 17. He says, these three times of year, all thy males shall appear before the Lord. Really interesting. He goes, here's the rhythms of worship. Here's how you'll do it. And by the way, dads, you'll answer first. That's why when your dad says, we're going to church, And you go, oh, we have to go again? You don't get to see, dad goes, yeah, we're going again. And I'm taking you because I have to answer to the Lord for whether you were in church this week. So we're going to church. We ought to be thankful. If we have a dad like that, we ought to be thankful. And if we don't have a dad like that, we ought to desire to put spiritual people in our lives who will make those things the priorities for us. Man, these, this repetition over and over, hammering it down like a truth till it fastens in our heart. 